Today we're going to begin a series as we're going to go through the entire book of Acts. We're going to start at the very beginning and, and end at the end, every verse in between. So uh, as you have your Bible with you, turn to Acts chapter 1. I'm going to begin with just a little introduction to the book itself, and then we'll jump into the first chapter. The book of Acts is a, uh, it's a great book, an important book in the New Testament. The, uh, the book of Acts is written by, by Luke, who is a physician and a companion of, of Paul's. Uh, he, the audience is he's writing to Theophilus, which who we'll talk about as we get into uh, to Acts 1.1. Theophilus, the, that word, of course, meaning lover of God. The date it was written is probably between 63, earliest is 62, but 63 and 70 A.D., most people believe that the events that, that end in the book of Acts end in, in A.D. 62, so probably collected and, and written and distributed between 63 and 70 A.D., so very early on as the, as the church is, is growing. And the theme of the book of Acts is the spread of the gospel from Jerusalem into the Roman Empire and from just the Jewish people to Gentile people as well. As you're going to see, that's a huge theme of the book of Acts is that the gospel that came for everyone is spreading to everyone. It's, it's, it's going and it's doing what it was supposed to do. Now, to learn a little bit more about, about our author, Luke, go to the book of Colossians. In chapter 4, as, as Paul writes the letter to the church in Colossae, he's going to list Luke as one of the people who, who gives greetings. And so it's important that we, we see who, who this Luke is. And so Colossians 4, starting in verse 10, as Paul gives his final greetings, it says this, My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He's also wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas in greetings. What we find out here is that when Paul groups together his, the people that are with him that are Jewish, he leaves Luke out of that, which would suggest to us that, that Luke is a Gentile. And if that is the case, he's the only Gentile author in the New Testament. He's the only non-Jewish person to write a book in the entire Bible, but certainly the New Testament. Uh, so it's, it's a fascinating uh, our, uh, fact about Luke that he's the only author in the New Testament that isn't Jewish. He comes from a Gentile perspective. And it makes sense when you look at the book of Acts, the book of Luke as well, but the book of Acts is he's, he's talking about the spread of the church to the Gentile believers, Gentile communities, the rest of the world. The book of Acts is going to give us background into 10 of Paul's letters that he writes. First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Romans, Colossians, Philemon, Ephesians, and Philippians. The book of Acts will teach us about all those letters to all those churches that Paul sends later on. So if we got our introduction stuff out of the way, let's jump into the book and see, see what happens. Acts 1, verses 1 through 3. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. 
Now we read in Luke 1, 1 through 4, and if you haven't figured it out, Luke, the writer of Acts, is Luke, the writer of the gospel. Luke. I'm going to read you Luke 1, 1 through 4. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So Theophilus is mentioned in both the book of Luke and the book of Acts. Now Theophilus just simply means lover of God. It's probably, I mean it could be, but it's probably not the person's actual name. Maybe it is, maybe he changed his name. It happens throughout the New Testament. This person is funding Luke to write these books, most likely. He's giving Luke the, the finances he needs to put this and to investigate the gospel story. Luke tells us in Luke 1, 1 through 4, that he was not an eyewitness to the gospels, that he simply investigates, right? He's an investigator. He went and investigated, talked to eyewitnesses, got their testimony, and puts together the book of Luke. That's going to change in the book of Acts. As we go throughout the book of Acts, you have to pay attention to when Luke begins to use the word we, When Luke begins to use the word we in the book of Acts, that means he is an eyewitness. He was there for this portion of the book. It's going to happen for us later on in the book of Acts, but be be cognizant of that and be paying attention to when you hear the word we in the book of Acts, it means Luke is an eyewitness of this. He was there and he saw that. We don't have that in the gospel of Luke because he wasn't an eyewitness to to the gospels. What we want to see here is that this is essentially the second volume of Luke's writings. Luke's the first volume, and he picks up where the Gospel of Luke ends and begins here in the book of Acts. He gives us kind of a summary in verses 1 through 3 of, of the book of Luke, of the Gospel account. It tells us what happens, that after Jesus suffers and dies, he comes back to life, presents himself, gives evidence of himself the resur- in his resurrected form, and he appears to the disciples over 40 different days, speaking about, of course, the kingdom of God. We keep moving. Acts 1, 4, and 5. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, speaking, of course, of Jesus, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells his first followers that those disciples to stay put until the Holy Spirit comes on them, and then they're going to go. If you remember the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus told his disciples what? Do you remember it? Therefore, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, so go. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And when you go, Jesus promised, I'll be with you always, right? That was the promise. The charge he gave to his disciples last thing he says in the Gospel of Matthew is for them to go, and they're going to do that. And the book of Acts is about that. If you want to summarize the book of Acts in one word, it's go. Those people are going to go. They're going to stretch themselves. They're going to be very uncomfortable, and they're going to go to places that they would never, ever go if they had their way, and they're going to spread this Gospel everywhere. And the reason that you and I are sitting here today is because they went. It's because they go. Because they spread this Gospel to to not just their own community, the people they're comfortable with, the people that they're used to, but they go all over the world and spread this message of good news and hope. But before they can go, Jesus tells them they've got to have the Holy Spirit with them. Before you go, wait. Once the Holy Spirit comes, then you can go. 
And the book of Acts is going to actually, in Acts chapter 2, is going to describe that moment for us. It's a great moment. We'll spend time talking about it. But as for right now, in the book of Acts, those early disciples are waiting. They're waiting for that Holy Spirit to come. And then once the Holy Spirit comes, they're going to go and spread this gospel literally all over the world. Continues in verse 6 and 7. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Jesus says, don't worry about that. Don't worry about the future. I'll take care of the future. I'll take care of, I'll handle all that. I'll worry about Israel. I'll take care of them. You worry about what you're supposed to do. And here in, in chapter 1, verse 8, is kind of the thesis statement for the book of Acts. If you remember all those years back to high school or college and you had to write a paper, which nobody, I mean, maybe you enjoyed it. I didn't care much for it. You had to have that thesis statement. What is this thing going to be about? Acts 1.8 is the thesis statement for the book of Acts. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You're going to be it. Now you think about those first followers who some of them have only ever traveled in their country, in their little bubble, in their little world. And he is telling them that they are going to go to the very ends of the earth. That they're going to take this message of his and spread it everywhere. It's a little frightening for some of them, if you can only imagine. Put yourself in their shoes. Now most of us, I know, have probably traveled lots of places. Maybe around the world, some of us. Maybe just around the country. Most of us travel because travel is easy for us. We can get into a car, a train, an airplane, and we can go places. Remember, these people walked essentially everywhere they went. And so most of them haven't been all that far from home. And so while this would be scary for any of us, put yourself in their shoes and remember that these people are going to go to cultures that are much different than theirs. These followers of Jesus have lived in a very conservative area, in a very conservative country, a very religious place, and they're going to go to places that are very irreligious, that are very unconservative in their practices of everything. And they're going to be asked to go to these places that are very uncomfortable for them to go. Places where people who do things that are very different than what they do. And it's going to be a challenge for them. Remember that as we go through the book of Acts. As we read it, don't let those words just stay words on the page, but make sure that they come to life. Make sure you can smell and taste what they smell and taste. Because if you don't, you will not appreciate the sacrifice that these first followers of Jesus made in order that you and I would be here today. They were very uncomfortable leaving everything they've ever known behind in order to spread this message, this good news of this Jesus. We can't let that miss we can't we can't miss that in this book. If we do, we've failed. Because then when we're challenged to go, when we're challenged to stretch ourselves, when we're challenged to go outside of the box, we're not going to do it. We're going to stay in our comfort zone. God, if the book of Acts teaches us anything, is that God does not care about our comfort. He doesn't care. You and I, we care about it. God doesn't care. If he, if he worried most about people's comfort, then they would, this would say, you just stay in Jerusalem where you're comfortable and, we'll, and the, the movement will die with you. If, that's what God, if God was cared about our comfort, they would just stay there and they would never go anywhere else. God doesn't care. 
about my comfort or your comfort. He doesn't. It's not his big concern. It's my big concern, and probably your big concern is our comfort. God's not worried. God says, I need you to do something. Go do it. And we thank God every day that these first followers of his did it. Or the good news dies with them. As the same is true for us. If we're not willing to get uncomfortable sometimes and do things that stretch us and talk to people who are very different than us and, and have very different beliefs than ours, if we're not willing to do that, then the message dies with us. The good news ends here. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the weak link in a chain that goes over 2,000 years just for the New Testament, thousands of years back for the Old Testament. I don't want to be that weak link in the chain, I don't know about you, that the church dies with us. Not the goal. The goal is the good news reaches everyone. That everyone has a chance to receive this Jesus into their lives and into their hearts. It has that Holy Spirit burning inside of them. That's the goal. That's why we're here. The book of Acts will challenge us in ways in which we probably don't challenge ourselves very often. It's going to do that. You're going to see people who refuse to give up. We're going to be introduced to the the Apostle Paul, whose first name Saul. We're going to be introduced to him in this book. If you don't know much about Paul, get ready. Because that dude's got fire in his heart and fire in his soul. And he's going to stretch you and challenge you in ways that you can't imagine. They try to kill him multiple times. He just gets back up and goes at it again. Sometimes going back into the same town where they just literally threw stones trying to kill him. He just gets back up, goes back in there. You're thinking to yourself, Paul, you should probably stop now. Right? You're going you're to you're have that feeling in this book. Why doesn't he stop? Because this Jesus has taken root inside of him and lit a fire that can't be put out. And he just keeps on going. Now what I want to point out to you in this, in this section, this verse here, verse 8, It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Now in the Greek, that word is where we get the English word martyr. And many of them, of course, are going to be killed for this faith. The Apostle Paul being one of them. The only of the original 12 disciples, this is based on church tradition, church history, that make it out alive is John and they tried to kill him, did the best they could do that and he just survived. They finally had to exile him to an island to get rid of him. And even then, he didn't quiet him down because he writes the book of Revelation, most likely from that island. This is a story of people who are willing to sacrifice everything for the good news. That's why I told you God's not worried about our comfort because if he was worried about our comfort, these guys would have stayed home and all lived to a nice old age and died a natural death, and they don't. They're killed for this Jesus. Put to death for this Jesus. And so when... Luke says that they're going to be his witnesses. Jesus' witnesses, he means it. They're going to be his witnesses, all right. It's going to cost them, some of them, their heads. And most of them, their lives. In order to take this message, this good news, to the ends of the earth. A question we are going to have to ask ourselves as we go through the book of Acts are what are we willing to sacrifice? What are we willing to give to make sure the good news lasts longer than us. That the good news keeps on being good news to to the next generation and a generation after that and a generation after that. That's what we're going to be faced with and challenged here in in the book of Acts.
I hope you're excited for it because you should be. This is a great book. It's the passage we're going to end on today. Acts 1, 9 through 11 says, After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Jesus ascends back to heaven. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. I love it because the book of Acts starts with, Why are you standing there? Like kind of a big deal. Like Jesus ascends to heaven. You think they give a chance like to catch their breath and watch this. And angels appear like, why are you guys standing here? There's work to be done. Right? I mean, really, it's like breaks over. They can't even, like, you think, I, I, I'm with the disciples on this one. This is kind of a big deal. This dude just shot into heaven. You think you'd have a chance to catch your breath and watch it happen. And be like, whoa, that was pretty cool. Never seen that before. Right? The angels are instantly next to them and are like, what are we standing here for? He's gone. I mean, really, that's what happens. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. He's going still. Like, he's not all the way gone. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? What are you doing? He just told you it's time to get to work. It's time, it's time to get to work. There's no rest for the weary. Remember, these disciples have been through an awful lot. Their leader, their rabbi, was crucified less than two months earlier. Came back to life, sort of a big deal, right? Kind of a big event in history, like, like the most important one ever in world history. They're trying to wrap their minds around that, and Jesus appears to them. Thomas doubts, and Jesus says, if you, if you don't believe me, here, stick your finger in the holes here, if you don't think it's real. And Jesus continues to teach and meet with them, for just under two months, and then he ascends to heaven, and the angels are like, okay, party's over. Like, when, have they, when has there been the break? When, when has there been a chance to kind of process what's going on? The answer is it really hasn't been, has there? I mean, as Jesus is literally shooting up into heaven, the angels are like, okay, it's time to go. Question we have to ask ourselves is why? I think God and those angels, the messengers that God sends, know us better than we know ourselves, and knows that we will we will dig in and get comfortable as soon as possible if we are allowed to. We will offer excuse after excuse of why we can't go right now. Ever happened to you? You give yourself an excuse, you'll find it, you'll take it. And God says, this is too important. And the souls of too many billions of people are counting on you to go. So it's time to go. Get ready. Here we go. For those of you who have, whatever the activity is, most often we think of athletics. If you remember back when you played a sport and that that feeling you got in your stomach right before the game was going to begin, whatever game it was, those butterflies in there, right? And kind of the nerves are happening. That's what the disciples are feeling right now. What's next? Here we go. Shoes are tied tight. I mean, they didn't wear shoes, right? But getting everything ready to go. Here it's time for us in this country. The national anthem is played, then it's go time, right? The national anthem is playing right here for these guys. It's time to go. And, and, and they know what's going to happen. 
Jesus has already told them, you're going to be my witnesses all over the world. They just don't know how that's going to happen. Now, there's anything about us as human beings is we kind of like to have the future planned out the best of our ability, most of us, right? We kind of like to, when, it, when things start getting out of our hands and we're not quite sure how it's going to happen, we start getting a little anxious, get a little excited. These guys know the mission. They know the goal. It's to take this gospel everywhere. They just have no idea how the Holy Spirit is going to inspire them to do that. So they have far more questions than they have answers at this point. And so those nerves, those butterflies are flying pretty hard in that stomach right now as they prepare to figure out how are we going to do this. Because if they know anything about Jesus, is his word is always good. And he told them, you are going to be my witnesses. You are it. And so they figure out, what does that mean and what does that look like? If you've ever been, maybe you are right now, in a time of your life when the future is unsure, then you can sympathize with the disciples. Because their future is unsure. They're not sure where to make reservations or what plans to make because all they know is the goal. Not quite sure how they're going to accomplish it at this point. Now the Holy Spirit's going to come and going to speed this whole process up, and we'll see that in just a few weeks. The Holy Spirit's going to take them and lead them and go. And some of the people that are in this group right now, this group's going to be added to as we go about. Like the Apostle Paul has no clue this is going to happen to him right now. Matter of fact, as these words are being spoke, the Apostle Paul is an enemy of this Jesus. You're going to see that in Acts chapter 7, of how much of an enemy he is. But the person who we're going to follow through most of the book of Acts, as these words are spoken and as Jesus ascends to heaven, is literally going around trying to figure out how he can kill Christians. Because they're heretics. So a lot's going to change here in the book of Acts. A lot's going to happen. You have one follower, this Paul, who has no idea he's going to be a follower of Jesus. Matter of fact, if you told him when this is happening, that in just a little while he'll, he'd be one of these people spreading the message, he'd tell you, never, no way. Not going to happen. Another lesson that you're going to learn in the book of Acts is be careful what you wish for and ask. Because God answers prayer, just doesn't always answer it the way we think he should. Another thing you're going to learn in the book of Acts is that God chooses very interesting people to accomplish his purposes. People who you and I would never choose, God chooses. And the Apostle Paul is one of them. Who no, None of these early Christians who are there in this moment would choose the Apostle Paul to spread the good news. He's their enemy at this point. Yet God, God chooses. And God says, Paul, you're mine. And watch what I'll do with you. I hope, I hope you're looking forward to the book of Acts because you're in for a ride. We all are. You will be challenged and pushed in ways maybe you haven't been challenged or pushed in a long time. But just remember, we're all going to be challenged and pushed. It's all of us. All of us are going to hear these words and go, how do I put this into my life? How do I become a witness right where I am? How do I take the good news to my work, home, to the grocery store, to school, to the ball game, wherever it is I go? How do I take this good How am I a witness to this Jesus everywhere I go? Because that's what you are. Whether you like that or not, or whether you know that or not, it does, none of those things matter. You are a witness for this Jesus everywhere you go. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity we have to study this book as you prepare our hearts and our minds to understand it and to take it and to make it real here and now today. Help us, Father, as we figure out what it means for us to be witnesses, 
your witnesses to this world. Help us to, to share this good news everywhere we go. First with our, our actions and then with our words. Father, help us as we go through this book to cling to you and to learn more and to grow in our relationship with you. Well, that's why we're here. We thank you for all that you do for us and all that you have done for us. We thank you for this person of Jesus who commissioned these first disciples to spread this word. And if he wouldn't have, and if they wouldn't have, we wouldn't be here today. We're thankful for the generation after generation of people who have been faithful to you. Who have kept your good news going. Help us to ensure that we can do the same thing. That we keep your good news going to the generations that come after us. That they have the same hope that we have. A hope that is found only in you. God, we thank you. And we love you. It's in the powerful and healing name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.